Hi everyone, welcome to Clearview Community Church Online. My name is Clayton and I'm one of the pastors here. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Now we're walking through a series during our Christmas season that many churches walk through a very similar series or process of sermons or messages. It's called Advent. And Advent is a time spread over the weeks leading up to and including Christmas for us as a church to practice. That we practice focusing our minds on the arrival on earth of Jesus as a baby. But we also look forwards to the return of Christ and the fullness of his kingdom. Advent is a celebration that through Jesus there is hope and joy and peace and love. And because, we, uh, because of Jesus, we experience and share these things to the world around us as gifts that we have received and gifts that we give. And so today we look at the theme of joy. You may be familiar with some of the more famous pieces of the Bible that talk about joy. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 has a section where Nehemiah instructs the people, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here, the people heard the law of God for the first time in a really long time. And they're upset because they're realizing their own negligence and rebellion. And there's an implication that joy is found in God stopping the grief found because of the recognition of their guilt and sin. Or maybe there's a verse here from James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now here, there is some connection to trial, perseverance, tests, and that those actually lead to joy. Now the word joy in the Bible, it's used broadly. So what I want to do is give us an overview study of the word that presents us with why during Advent we focus an entire week leading up to Christmas on the theme of joy. So we'll take this in a few steps. We'll look at the specific words used that gets translated into joy in your Bible. Then we'll look at the Old Testament uses and then the New Testament uses, and we will land this conversation at the Advent and Christmas story of joy. So maybe you know this, or maybe you're learning today that your Bible isn't actually originally written in English. Actually, for the most part, it's written in either ancient Hebrew or ancient Greek or some ancient Aramaic. And so the word joy comes from two words, one in Greek and one in Hebrew that we have. Now, the Hebrew word for joy, used for the most part in the Old Testament, which is roughly the first half of your Bible, it's a word called simcha. And it does simply mean joy or gladness. And there's lots of other words translated into English as the word joy, but they all have the same ballpark of meaning, that there's joy, gladness, a ringing cry of joy, exaltation or extreme joy. These are the ancient Hebrew words. And now the Greek word, mostly found in your New Testament, is the word kara. It's along those same lines as simcha. It can be found in your Bible as the word joy or gladness. And it's also closely related to the word to rejoice. So to the biblical authors, joy isn't as limited as the English term joy is. The English term, it's more of a, a sense of happiness. But in the biblical understanding, it's more of a state of being than it is an emotion. It's almost always a result of a choice. And I think this part is key because joy in the English language and, and European understanding is often connected to the feeling of happiness. And that feeling of happiness arrives and leaves. 
Whereas the biblical understanding, it's much more understood as the result of a choice as that state of being. So let's look at the Old Testament for a minute, the word joy. It's often connected to a few things. First, to victory over an enemy. It's associated with a religious festival or a song of praise. Now take a look at 1 Samuel 18, verse 6. This is right after David kills Goliath and the Israel army is, has routed the Philistine invaders. It says, when the, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the woman, from, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing and with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres. Now the word used here is the Hebrew one we've already mentioned. It's simcha. It's an exceeding gladness over a victory against a really scary enemy. And in Psalm 27 verse 6 says, Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. And in 2 Chronicles 30 verse 21, the nation of Israel, they hadn't been able to celebrate the Passover festival. It's a time where they remember what had happened when God delivered them from Egypt's grip and from slavery and oppression and fear. And so they celebrate joyfully when they finally can do this. And it says, the Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with great rejoicing. While the Levites and priests praised the Lord every day, with resounding instruments dedicated to the Lord. So again, the word there for great rejoicing, it's simcha. It's a great gladness over the entire nation. And then you have Ezra chapter 6, verse 16. Here the people have rebuilt the temple. Then the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites and the rest of the exiles, they have celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. Joy here though, it's a different word. It's chedva. It's rejoicing with gladness and joy. It's a part of worship. Joy is a part of worship because they can worship. They are finally free and able to worship. That's the cause of their joy. So for some of our Old Testament usages, they give us an idea that joy can come from basically two areas, it seems. Two general areas, victory and worship. And these are two really important things in the life of the Jewish culture throughout the Old Testament. Victory and worship. Victory because they knew that every victory in battle that they had experienced was attributed to the power of God working in and through their lives. They knew he was the God who freed them from the strain of battle. And worship, the experience and the ability to worship their God in freedom in a world where that wasn't always the case, cause for joy. So then we look at our New Testament. Now there's a section in the Bible in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, where Jesus has sent the disciples out to do ministry and returns to him. And the disciples return with a report on what has happened and they summarize it by this really incredible statement. It says the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And this story, it kind of gives us the same feelings as David returning from the Philistine battle. We have victory, they're rejoicing, and they're glad or have gladness because they had won in a way. Now here, the word in Greek used for joy is kara. It means joy and gladness. And a few pages ahead in Luke again, we see the word kara used again in a parable. 
And Luke 15 verses four to seven says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You see, the shepherd, he puts the sheep on his shoulders joyfully. Or in Greek, he puts the sheep on his shoulders with cherion, like kera. And Jesus explains that there is kara or rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. And the last example I have from you uh, for the New Testament is when John the Baptist explains that he is not the Messiah, but instead he sent ahead of the Messiah. And this is in John 3 verse 28. It says, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And that vo joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. There is lots going on in that passage. Too, too much to deal with today. But the emphasis for us today is the joy that John has because Jesus is present. Joy is his and complete. The joy fills him when he hears the voice of Jesus. And there's plenty more examples, especially in the New Testament and the broad use of joy. Um, and so what we're finding here is there's this great passion behind the word, a great use of it. And perhaps one of my favorite verses to help us understand joy from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. If you look at that sentence and just pick out the verbs, the actions that happen, not seen, love, see, believe, filled, receive, faith, salvation. I think this is where the foundation of our joy lies. It's described in this passage. We have not physically seen Jesus. We're 2,000 years past that. But as followers of Jesus, we do love him and believe in him, and we are filled with his joy. And why do we have that joy? It's because we experience the result of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Earlier, I explained that joy comes from the biblical author understanding. It's heavily understood as a result of a decision. Joy is the result. And our joy as followers of Jesus results from the salvation of our souls through faith in Jesus Christ. And you know, in a culture that lives and dies on the whims of the emotional temperature of the day, this result joy becomes completely countercultural. The idea that my joy is not based on how I feel when I wake up in the morning, but is the result of the decision that I've made to trust in Jesus for my salvation. That difference is that while my temporary happiness can be stolen by any number of things that turn into disappointments or envy or anger, the joy that I receive from salvation in Jesus does not leave me because none of those things can steal his salvation from me.
Joy is less about being expressive or having fun or clapping or laughing or shouting, but it is more the state of being and existence that a follower of Jesus lives in. It is well with my soul because Jesus is with me and for me and will never leave me. So what does this have to do with Advent? In the Old Testament, we're given the picture of victory. That's joy because the danger and the conflict and the strife, it's ended. The battle is over. And instead, we experience peace, another gift of Advent. And that brings a feeling of joy for sure. And the people of Israel, they had waited for their Messiah, their deliverer. In the middle of centuries of oppression, they waited. And when the deliverer arrives, when the Messiah arrives, he begins to free them. And there is joy when the presence of Jesus arrives. And so for us today, we rest in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We live in the assurance that Jesus has offered us salvation through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. And we look forward to the fulfillment of our joy the fullness of our joy in the return of Christ, bringing the kingdom of God to its fullness. The ultimate joy is knowing that we are freed and that we are rescued from our sin, freed and rescued and redeemed and made whole all because of one person, the person of Jesus. Real joy is found in that man. So this Christmas season, my encouragement to you is to find your joy in the truth of Jesus' love for you. Let go of the temporary things that consume Christmas. Our joy is not dependent on how the house looks with our decorations. Our joy is not held by the kind of gifts that we want or gifts that we give or receive. Our joy is Jesus, the one who saves. And let us find our joy in him this Christmas. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we look to you for joy not because we are simply happy or have a good burst of chemicals in our brain, but because you have freed us and we can worship you with exceeding gladness. So today, help us to find our joy in your Son, the Savior of the world, the light of all mankind, who changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. And so for anything you would like to know about our church, or if you would like to connect with us in any way, please visit our website at clearviewcommunity.com. Dot church. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.